Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. From Albania, I'm going to be reading Revelation 7 to 9. Pastai posh, you should meet mother just for smunte numronte, which do combi, do fisi, hopefully the juhe. Children in com para fronit, other para change it, be sure me pit cat borda, and me pal mendor. Atash falling mezet lord. Shpetimi përket hyi ton që rinë në frënë dhe qenjit. Good morning, church. My name is uh, Kim Tokun. And this is my lovely wife, uh, Young, uh, Park Youngmi. In South Korea, we call a uh, last name first. So my last name is Kim, and my wife's uh, last name is Park. <laughs> and we don't change last name after marriage. So we keep the last name. Okay. <laughs> so, so we are going to read uh, Rebellion chapter 7 verses 12 to 14 in South Korean. 가로대 아멘 찬송과 영광과 지혜와 감사와 존귀와 능력과 힘이 우리 하나님께 세세토록 있을지로다. 아멘 하더라. 장로 중에 하나가 응답하여 내게 이르되 이 흰옷 입은 자들이 누구며 또 어디서 왔느뇨 내가 가로대 내 주여 당신이 알리이다 하니 그가 나더러 이르되 이는 큰 환란에서 나오는 자들인데 어린 양의 피에 그 옷을 씻어 희게 하였느니라 Morning church Good morning, church. My name is Tony, and I'm originally from Iraq, and my mother is from Lebanon. I'm reading from Revelation 7, 15 to uh, 15 to 17. <laughs> ويقتادهم إلى ينبيع ما حي ويمسح الله كل دمعة من عيونهم Thank you all. That was fantastic. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. So you can be seated right now for a moment. I'll have you stand up again later. I just want to mention, in case you missed it when you came in, we have a special sale going on through the crossing, our bookstore this morning. 
So if you came in over there and you missed it, you're going to want to sneak down here. Additionally, if you didn't get to put a sticker on the map right after service, maybe we'll have an opportunity for you to do that. And I've asked Brother Tony to share for a few minutes. Thank you, Pastor RJ. Um, so I came to Canada 2005 and Windsor Christian Fellowship was my home church from that point. And uh, it just held me like a wounded bird and uh, it just learned me how to fly and in my journey with Christ. Um, I have a lot of testimonies to share with, but I will just gonna uh, share today about uh, certain things I learned from God in re in regards to finances. Um, so, uh, in the beginning of my journey with Christ, I was not really convinced about the the principle of tithing and offering, and um, uh, and then and then I God convinced me, and I started doing it and I start to reap the benefits or to start to reap the fruits of being faithful to diving. But then after some times in my life, you know, after graduation from dentistry and God blessed me with this uh, profession, it's um, sometimes, you know, uh, the debts of a student loan and things that you get in, in, in our way, it's trying to tell us if you put the tithe for some time, it probably you will save money mathematically and physically. However, uh, God um, convicted me about this thing and he uh, taught me the following principle that I will share with you in, in the next few moments. Um, so. I start to do it to the tithing, but there was something missing when I do the tithing, is my attitude, my joy. It's like when you go to the, I usually like to go to do online, so when I go, it's like, <sighs> I have to do it. So, but then God is, is like, start to teach me how to do it with a cheerful heart. Um, and when I did this, when I learned how to do it in the right way, I started to see blessings in every area of my life. So just simple things, when I was, started to hold the tithes and offerings from God, the schedule in my clinic where I work start to fall apart. Nobody in the staff knows what's going on. It's just me. I know what's going on. So I repented. I came to God and I said, I am sorry. I will do tithing. I will listen to you and will be obedient to you in every word. See, the Bible um, um, has to be followed all or it's better none. It doesn't, want, doesn't make sense that we follow certain part and then we miss the other part. Um, so God blessed me in every area. The next day, the very next day that I gave my tithes and offerings, the schedule will pick up again. And all the, and I, we have no room right now to accommodate patients and, I, and they, they tell me what's going on. We even didn't do any advertisements or anything, anything. It's just, it's the hands of God is blessing us in that matter. Um, God didn't just bless me uh, financially, but He blessed me uh, in health-wise, and uh, He blessed me in, in my circle of friendships, honors me in my friendships and relationships where and in my neighborhood. In every area of my life, God is honoring him, me as I'm honoring Him first, and to put Him first in my life. Um, just to share something with you, uh, that um, I one of my hard desires is to be a cyclist and and he actually did that for me he helped me to be a cyclist and i just finished 
a few weeks ago, collectively over 40 trips, 3,000 kilometers. And so this is something for me that I've never experienced. Patients, they are, some of them, they are uh, cyclists, and I didn't know that. They helped me to be a part of the group that, and, and some of them, they were uh, champions from, uh, from Europe, and they uh, participated in different uh, aspects of uh, cycling. Anyway, I'm gonna start right now uh, talking about these principles of giving, and I will try to make it short. In my journey with Christ, God taught me these essential principles of giving. A key to financial prosperity is to learn to be a giver. The key scripture is Luke 6:38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And I'm just going to say it again. The amount you give will determine the amount you get. And... Um, if you focus on these things, he start, he, the gods mentioned, give and you will receive. He didn't say receive and then you give. Now, if I'm in debt and struggling, I'm not going to go out of debt by being stingy. That doesn't work. Things I learned from God. Spiritual laws are real just as natural laws. You cannot harvest a crop unless you plant the seeds. The good news, you have the seeds but you have, unfortunately, you self do it. Your neighbor can do it, your, your wife or your husband can do it. You have to do it. And if you hold your hands tight, it's hard for God to put money in your hand. They are already closed and I'm just gonna do this. If it's closed, God cannot put money in your hand. But if it's open, God will bless you back. The principles of giving. Number one is give first yourself to God. So, see, if you have not given yourself to God, you will not give your money to God. The moment we are born again, our heart, mind, and soul change and tra or transform 180 degrees. And if my hand is tied with God, then I need to investigate whether I had a real encounter uh, with God and His love. Where to find this principle in the Bible is in 2 Corinthians 8 from 1 to 5 and I'm just going to make it short. This Paul is talking about the Macedonian churches and they, were, they, they gave beyond their ability. They didn't have a lot but they were so generous. But he says here, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, then by the will of God also to us. Second principle. So. If you didn't give it yourself to God, this is number one. You can't give your money before you give yourself first to God. Second, give God first. Proverb 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the fruits. And the first fruits, the first fruits. It's in the red. I put it in the red. So it's, and of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with a new wine. So the order of giving is first, but not last. My personal experience sharing is here is the first thing I do when I receive my paycheck and I'm just sharing this from my personal life is I hold it pray over it thank God for the period of time that he gave me the strength wisdom patience joy and peace during the work during work that I reflected that I reflected his image in the working place and the second I calculate my ties and then put them in the giving spreadsheet I have something everything is organized so I can track everything so I can track all my ties and offering 
Number three, before depositing the paycheck in my bank account, I pay online my tithes, and then I proceed with the deposit, and before paying bills or anything else. So the order of spending my money demonstrates where God fit in my priority order. Number four, then I ask God to help me with the offerings, which is the amount, which, uh, uh, the amount and, and which ministry to give, and the offerings it could be munitions that help poor children, Widows, food, bank, etc. It's whatever God put on your heart. Now, what's the, the order of giving is a reflection, just like a mirror. When I give God first, it's a reflection where my heart is. And now number three from the principles of giving is give God your best. So we said first, give first yourself. Second, give God first. Third, give Him your best in other words do your best that you can when you make an offering to God and please listen carefully to this it must have a value to you you cannot so our relationship with God is just like a husband and wife you cannot go to dollar store to buy a gift to your wife and the same thing here tithe offerings has to mean something to you tithes and offering is an act of worship do not worship God for free it has to cost you and means to you Number four, give obediently. Scriptures, 1 Samuel 15, 21, it just talks about uh, King Saul, and please go back and check the story. He didn't, obe he didn't obey fully, so the partial obedience, it's actually, it was a disobedience and led to, the, to, to lose his position as a king. Now, this next slide is, maybe we are mixed up between tithes and offerings, and I'm, if you'd allow me just to, uh, explain shortly what was the difference ties are holy totally designated to God holy means set apart consecrated sacred devoted entirely to God dedicated does not belong to us it belongs to God he gave you and he want, he allows he gives you the free will to give it back to him so it belongs to God and we do not pray about the ties to God to give us wisdom to pay it or not you just pay it we pray to God to ask about our offerings, but not the tithes. Offerings, other definition, means gift. So you, something that you have and you, in your free will you give. It's what moves the heart of God, offerings, it's what moves the heart of God because it's what you pay apart from obligation. Number five from the principles is give willingly out of free, your free will. And in Exodus 35, 4 to 5, it's Moses was collect, making this collection for building the altar. And this is the key scripture is, he asked them, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. If not, don't bring it the offering if you're not happy about it. And number five is give cheerfully. My attitude is my attitude when I give. What's my attitude when I give? In the second Corinthians 9, uh, 9 from 6 to 7, and the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully, and each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Please ask the person next to you, are you a cheerful giver? Thank you. Be joyful, be excited. And this is where God worked on me. This is personal sharing. God says, you know, you're paying your tithes, but something is missing. You're not doing it from your heart. You're not happy. 
what, what's the point of this relationship, this love relationship, if you're not happy? Thoughts about faith. Faith works in this, the principle of all or none. Faith is like a muscle, and if you allow me to say this, I feel like um, the more that we use it, this muscle, the faith, the stronger and bigger it will be. And I feel like when I come to WCF, I get challenged, and it's like a gym for me. So I come to WCF to train my muscles and go get stronger. <laughs> Giving is based on faith and trusting God. Every time we give, we declare our faith and trust in Him. I asked myself one time why I do have faith that Jesus saved me from death, but I don't believe that He can provide for my needs. So the question is, what, what is holding me from paying my tithes and offerings? And here's the list. The obstacles of giving. What God taught me is the number one. Number one obstacle is fear. The type of fear that holds me from giving is fear of lack, that I will have nothing. Now see, fear works against faith. Fear opens the door for the enemy to steal more. Steal my joy, my peace, my strength, my marriage, my home, my everything. And this is a legal point of entry to the enemy. Now any illegal point of entry, we can pray about it and with the authority of the church we rebuke the devourer but if I let the enemy to enter my house it's my fault second point second obstacle is lack of trust trusting God leads me to take the step of faith so when I don't have trust in God it means I do not have trust in God's character that he's good and he's faithful to his word and promises and number three fear is number three as an obstacle is fear is the opposite of love so perfect love casts out all fear. Trusting in God's love casts all types of fear. I'm just going to pray right now over the offerings and for everyone here. And I just want to say this. I thank for every person here who tithes because without your offering and tithes, I wouldn't be able to enjoy this church when I came in 2005. So thanks for your faithfulness. Father, I thank you for the opportunity and honor to speak about giving. Thank you, Lord, that you teach, me, teach us when to give how to give and the attitude when we give help us lord to be true givers that we give ourselves first give our best the best fruits that we give something that cost us lord our first fruits help us to give obediently willingly cheerfully please lord help us and guide us to give what you want us to give not what is we routinely not what we are accustomed to help us to sense what you say this day that challenge our faith that push us to hear your voice help us lord to give it out of a joyful heart expand our faith lord and we pray for each one here for blessings bless lord each one here in this room according to what you promise abundantly exceedingly more than what we expect or imagine we pray for protection from the devourer for our finances peace and joy families marriages and everyone here in this room and we pray this in jesus name and everybody agrees say amen how awesome is it when god's people come together representing different people groups and different nationalities and different tribes. Thank you all for sharing with us today. How many are enjoying this morning so far? 
I really hope you're saying that 45 minutes from now. <laughs> so this is my uh, traditional Filipino gear. <laughs> I spent more time there than I did in maybe Italy, Sicily, or in uh, Slovakia, where my parents are from. So uh, I can relate most with Lauren, who st stood here in the middle and sang. Anyway, thank you all for coming today. Uh, what a fun morning so far as we've been celebrating all of the different nations that God has brought to us here in Windsor, Ontario. And this is maybe the second last of the Church I See series. We're going to continue on next week with the Church I See as the Authentic Church. But today, the Church I See is a church full of people from all nations united together under the banner of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I feel that this is just a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Because didn't the scripture say at the very beginning that they read to us in multiple languages that God said there's going to be people from every nation, every people group, every tribe, they're going to be standing in his throne room worshiping together. The way I see it, we should just start practicing now. I find it very interesting, if you were to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 11, and we can put that up on the screen. I think originally, people all spoke the same language. And then something happened in Genesis 11, chapter, verse one, it says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found the plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages, then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. You know, when we look at this from the book of Genesis, God had given mankind a mandate to go and multiply and fill the earth. That was his command to them, to Noah, to his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, right? And, and what you see is in this situation they kind of stopped obeying God's command. Because instead of filling the whole earth, they said, hey, let's stop and build a city here and all of us are gonna congregate here. We don't wanna populate the whole earth. So there was a little bit of disobedience to God's command. And then secondly, depending on who you read, <laughs> I kind of get a sense that they didn't trust that God wasn't gonna flood the whole earth again, so they were gonna build something high enough. <laughs> Maybe he won't be able to flood us again. 
No, I don't think that's what they did. It seems that this was the first of those ziggurats that they built for ceremonial worship. And, and it seems specifically that that group, they kind of started their own religion based in humanism, and they started worshiping the things God created instead of the creator God. And if you start looking historically, they would build these towers to be closer to the heavens because it felt like they were closer to the deities so that they could worship better or something like that. Not sure how that worked out for them. So we see that they created their own religion instead of worshiping the creator God, and they were in direct disobedience to his command. So God came down, and it doesn't say anywhere that he was angry with them. But what he did is he confused their language so that they would fulfill the mandate and go and populate the earth. And we could go into and develop how when they became isolated by language or by people group, at that point, hopefully the point was that they would start seeking God again instead of going to the humanistic religion that they were following at the time. Now, that leads us to, you know, where we are today. As a church, we've been mandated by the scriptures to reconcile people to Christ. All men are equal in God's sight. No people group is any greater than any other. No tribe is any greater than any other. I was actually saddened this week. The media kind of made fun of it, but there was a, there's an isolated tribe on a little island off the coast of India. And there was a young American missionary who had a love for those people. And it kind of reminds me of the days of Jim Elliott when he went down to the, was it the Aka Indians in South America? You know, and, and he went there and he had several contacts with them and some were friendly and some were not, but in the end, they killed him in both cases. So we see a young man recently was willing to lay down his life to take this message of hope to an unreached people group. My hope and my prayer is that his blood will be the seed that goes into the ground so that we can reap a harvest in that neat people group in the future. You know, people, the media, they, they kind of, they almost mocked him a little bit for being a fool. But you know, I look at when Nate and Jim Elliott and the two other guys, when they flew in, it was years later when their wives and children went across and took that message of hope to those people that needed it so desperately. So we have a mandate as a church to take the message of hope that God has given to us to all the nations of the earth, to all people groups. Now, I've heard it said, and I really, I kind of believe this, that the local church is the hope of the world. Because God uses churches just like ours to send out people to the nations. But we're super blessed here in Canada because God has brought the nations here to us. And together, we can win people from all nations. I'm not sure if they were able to achieve this so quickly, but guys, do you have a picture of the map? Am I able to see that, the map that was in the foyer? Can we put that on the screen? I don't know if you can see the dots. And this is just our, our first service today. 
and, and, and we could probably do this for a few weeks and fill it in a little bit more, but I don't know if you can see the, the yellow dots and the green dots and the red dots, and these are just people that are represented here today. Just you represent those nations wherever you see a dot. That's the nations of the earth that we have represented here today. I think that's pretty cool. And we'll probably fill that in a little bit more between service and after next service. By the time we get there, you'll see there's more. So if you haven't had a chance to put your dot for your nation, make sure you go put a dot on our map. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6, the Bible tells us who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone, and this is the message God gave him to the world at just the right time. So we see that Jesus came to earth to bring peace between God and all men. It's all nations that Christ came to reconcile back to God. And I could, I could show you a genetic chart. I didn't bother for today. It's a little bit complicated when you look into the genetic code, but I can show you genetically how you could take a gene code with Adam and a gene code with Eve and we could produce every race, every possible combination from just two people. I could show you the maps. It is 100% plausible that all the races came from two people. 100% plausible. But Christ came, see, we all, we, all, we all came from the same blood. Noah's children, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, went, Japheth, went, and all of the nationalities and races that we have today came forth from those three, which came from Noah, which came from Adam at the original creation. We're all connected. And as they're advancing in genetic structure, they're finding out we're all not so different. <laughs> but see, the mediator, Jesus, to reconcile mankind, this word reconciliation. I was looking at it a little bit. It has to do with an exchange that produces restoration of relationship. Making something different in order to make it the same. See, if I'm out of alignment in my attitude before Christ, he makes me different so that I can conform to his son Jesus. That's reconciliation. See, many people were out of alignment with God in their sin. Wasn't that you one day? And then what happened is Jesus came and he reconciled you back to God. He put you into alignment with the truth from God's word and you got rid of that sin issue. And you obtained some forgiveness. So Christ came as the meter, but what he did is he reconciled us back to God first, isn't that 2 Corinthians 5.19? Let's see, 2 Corinthians 5.19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. 
So we're Christ's ambassadors. You have to come on Wednesday night. You'll hear more about the kingdom and how God's made you an ambassador. That's what we're talking about in the book of Acts. But that's a different message. See, Christ reconciled them, us back to God. But reconciliation doesn't end there. He wants us to be restored in relationship, not just to the Father, but He wants us restored in relationship to one another. This is the fullness or the completeness of the message of hope that God has given us. When Adam fell in the garden, all races fell with him. All mankind came to a place where we needed a savior. We needed redemption. Redemption, all these are words, right? Reconciliation, redemption. It's the act of being saved from sin, error, or evil and gaining possession of something in exchange for payment, clearing debt. So when Adam fell, he gave away relationship with God, the Father. He gave away his birthright, really his inheritance in the earth. He gave away his willpower and fell under the sway of sin. He came under sickness, disease, the curse was released inside of the earth. The law of sin and death was released, and all mankind fell into sin with Adam at that point. But I'm super glad, and I hope you are too, the story doesn't end there. But all mankind, it doesn't matter your history, your birthright, it doesn't matter where you're from, where you came from, how much money you have in your pocket, clothes you're wearing, your education, doesn't even matter the language you speak, where you live. All of us were in sin, but the good news is Jesus Christ came to earth to redeem us from the curse of the law. He came to restore us to relationship with the Father, and He reconciled us back to God. He restored us to that place of good standing with God. He paid the debt of your sin and my sin so that you and I can stand before God with a pure heart in a clean conscience. And we can lift our holy hands up to worship Him. And together, corporately, we create worship to the Creator here in Windsor. And see, this ties in closely because we started this message talking about all of us being broken image bearers. But when Christ redeemed us, he restored us to a place of wholeness and exchanged within us something that was lost, and He gave it back to us. And now, we don't have to walk around like broken image bearers anymore. We can actually bear the image of Christ to the earth. Which leads us to restitution. In Acts chapter 3, God is restoring all things back to divine order. So God had an order in creation. How many of you know this? God had an order. He set things up with very specific orders. You see in Romans chapter 1, the fruit of mankind rejecting God's order. In Romans 1, it talks about thinking themselves to be wise, they became fools. 
and they started worshiping created things rather than the creator. Sounds like Genesis 11. Sounds like humans today. See, if you're not committed to something, you will fall for anything. And if you're not committed to Christ, then you're going to put self on the throne. And some say to me, oh, but I love people. I don't have to worship Jesus to be a nice guy. You can be the greatest person around. But if Christ doesn't come and change your heart, what's your motive? God is making restitution to restore all things back to divine order, the original state. He created people to be in relationship with Him. God created mankind to be in relationship with Him. He created you, He created me to have a relationship with Him first. And out of that relationship, we live life to the fullest. Out of that relationship, he put some order in the earth where he said there was going to be one man and one woman before God who leave their home of origin and start a separate family unit and make a family together. And he very explicitly tells mankind to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was God's design from the, origin, from the beginning. But in the church today, we listen to the culture that says, oh, no. If the earth gets too many people, we won't be able to feed anyone. If the earth gets too many people, then God said, fill the earth. God said, fill the earth. Man says, no, we shouldn't do that. Who are we going to listen to? Come on, this is good. <laughs> But see, what God meant for good, the enemy likes to twist. He likes to pervert. I remember when I was young and dumb. I'm a little older now. Maybe I gained a little bit more wisdom. We'll see. Music, guitars, keyboards. Everybody's favorite? I'm not a drummer, don't worry. Everybody's favorite. But man, when I was young, the doctrine was going around and people were talking about, oh, the beat that they use for that Christian song is the same beat that the witch doctors use to conjure devils up in Africa. And I thought, oh my goodness, rap music must be of the devil. <laughs> oh, dear Jesus. And then one day I got a revelation that God made music. So the music is his and the heart of the musician and the words of the song are the ones that are going to determine whether it brings worship and praise to the creator or whether it's man trying to create their own system of worship. Stylistically, we all have preference. 
The most difficult thing with the church, with people from many nations represented, is trying to find music that everybody likes. It's like saying, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? I'll tell you this. Maybe these days I've been eating a little bit more than I should, but I'm sure glad that there's a diversity of food available to me. You name it, I like to eat it. <laughs> Aren't you glad that everything's not the same color? I'll tell you what, the diversity of color is really good. And the diversity of people in the church also is something that I believe gives glory to God most completely. And see, in our brokenness, oftentimes the enemy comes in and tries to divide us. God has given us a mandate to share the message of hope with the nations. Listen, I'll break this down real quick. The descendants of Shem, that was like your Israelites and Samaritans, the Arab nations, the Oriental nations, or the Asian nations, okay, Southeast Asia, those nations all came from Shem's seed. Japheth is where a lot of your European nations came from. And Ham is the one where a lot of your African nations came from, okay? So we have the three sons of Noah and we have the, the, the primary people groups of the earth. But I wanna explain something to you. Jesus came to earth, he entrusted the message of hope to Shem's seed in Israel specifically, his covenant nation. And then immediately in the book of Acts, you see Peter having a vision to bring the other nations into this, the non-Jewish nations. And you, next thing you know, Peter's sitting in Cornelius' household, which is the children of who? Japheth. And then a little while later, you see Philip talking to this guy from Ethiopia, and the message of hope went to the children of Ham. Ham. So we see in the very birth of the church, God had his message of hope given to all three of the subgroups of the people. In the very birth of the church, and some of you aren't as excited about that as I am, but let me give you a little bit more data. In Acts chapter two, let's go to verse five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, and 11. I wanna read this to you for a second. Acts 2, 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation. How many nations? Does it say every nation? Living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, this is on the day of Pentecost, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. I'd be pretty, pretty bewildered too. I mean, Ellen, if I start talking to you in Mandarin or Cantonese, you know, you're going to be like, what? <laughs> How'd that happen? But they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these are people, these people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Now listen to all these people groups. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Persia, 
Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas around Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. I'm going to tell you what it means. And I hear a lot of people say, well, God restored what he divided at Babel. I think God used Babel, and I do think that there was a curse released on the languages because mankind separated at that time. But I see on the day of Pentecost where God lifted that, and I can see where now he's using the Holy Spirit to unite us. And now all of the languages, we don't have to speak the same language, but we stand under the same banner. We lift up hands to one true God. We worship together the same creator. And I believe what happened at Babel where mankind had united in purpose in their heart against God, now at Pentecost, mankind can unite in purpose for the kingdom of God because he is restoring things back to his divine order here in the earth. And when we align ourselves with that, we're going to see things align in our own lives. We're going to see things align in our church, our city, and our nation. So now we are tasked with taking this message of hope to the nations of the earth. Now, again, I said we're fortunate here in Canada because what God's doing is God has brought the nations here to us so that we as a people, we can win people from all nations here in Windsor. And some of those people will go back and take this message of hope to their own nation in their own tongue with their own kindred. But ultimately, we are fulfilling God's mandate that he prophesied in the book of Revelations that there is going to be people represented from every tribe, from every kindred, and from every tongue sitting in heaven worshiping Jesus. In Matthew 28, why don't you guys stand with me for a minute? I'm going to go to Verne. I was messing with the media teams. I told them Matthew 29 earlier. Around verse, I'm going to back up to 18, sorry. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he really has. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus' words make disciples. So we don't want people to just say a prayer and get in the club. We want people to take on the nature and the character of Jesus so that they can start living the Christian life. See, when you encounter Jesus, something in your heart changes, and you don't want to serve self anymore because you take self off the throne, you put Jesus on the throne, and then you start living like he lived. And then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Teach them to obey the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even till the day that the age ends or till the end of the age. So one of the things that we do in the discipleship process is we want people to not only profess Jesus as Lord, but we want them to be baptized in water. Is Dale and Kelly the ones on baptism today? Highly trained professionals in baptism.
My friends Dale and Kelly here. They have a tank full of water in the back. They even have a change of clothes. They've been praying for you. And see, when we stand up like this and we make a call to baptism, what we are doing is giving you an opportunity. Hey, maybe I need to give my life to Christ. I would like to dedicate my life to Jesus. I want my heart to change. Something needs to change. The truth is, you don't have the power to change yourself, but I know that the Creator has the power to change you from the inside out, and He does and He will. And He has for many in this room. Giving your life to Christ is the first step. The second thing that we do as Christians, once we profess our faith in Christ, is we make a public declaration of that profession of faith. Or we say, I would like to live as a Christian, and the sign to the world system that we live in that I'm a Christian now is I'm going to get baptized in water. And this has to do with your identification with Christ. So I don't want to be in Satan's kingdom anymore. I want to be in God's kingdom. That's what you're saying. And I'm going to take all the things that were associated with Satan's kingdom in my life, the sin and the shame and the hurt and the grief and the sorrow, and I'm going to lay that down in the water. And I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to come up to newness of life. I'm going to receive forgiveness, redemption. There's that word, reconciliation. These things are most fully realized when we're obedient to Christ's command to be baptized. So if God's talking to you, if he's ministering to your heart this morning, and, and, and you're thinking, maybe I need to make that public profession of faith, or maybe I want to give my life to Christ, you just need to be bold and take one step out into the aisle and walk down here. My friends, Dale and Kelly, they'll give you a little bit more instruction. They'll give you a change of clothes and they'll get you baptized today. Amen. Is there anyone that God's talking to today and he's speaking to your heart and that's you and you're saying, yes, I need to do that? Amen. God is calling men and women everywhere from all nations to repent of their sin and give their life to Christ. This is the message of hope. You take your sin and you exchange it for righteousness. You take your guilt and you find freedom. Is there anyone that God's talking to you today? He's speaking to your heart and he's saying, respond to my love because he loved you so much. This is why he died. But I want you to take a moment and I want you to search your heart. And if you've value judged people, maybe because of the color of their skin, maybe because of their country of origin, maybe because of their accent, the Bible tells us all of us are responsible for our own conduct. All men and women stand equal at the cross. And people say, what about the genealogies? The genealogies are interesting. They point to the lineage of Christ, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you study the, line the, the genealogies in the Bible, they inserted women. That is a rarity in ancient 
genealogies. Maybe an anomaly. But see, at Christ, men and women stand on an equal plane before Him. Men are no better than women, and women are no better than men. Some of you in your mindset, men are better than women, because that's how you were raised. Or maybe you think that men can never measure up. See, we have value judgments in our heart, and this creates division even within the body of Christ. But I want to call you today to set aside the value judgment, and I want to call you today to set aside the judgments. Examine your heart. And if you would like to stand with me in unity today before Christ, as brothers and sisters, no guile, no judgment, just people coming together from many backgrounds, many nations, many walks of life, you want to stand with me? I'm going to invite you to come down here with me. We're going to set aside the judgments. We're going to set aside anything that would keep us and hinder us from loving one another most completely today. Because I believe the message of the cross is the most unifying message in the world. And we will never solve the world's political and social issues outside of Jesus Christ outside of the cross. Because true hope and true transformation and true change will only be experienced when we meet the Creator and then we realize the fullness of His plan for our lives together. Yeah, amen. Father, I thank You for our congregation today. From one light, Lord, many colors. From one God-breathed idea to create humans to many individuals represented here today, all of them uniquely breathed into existence by you with a specific function and purpose that you created each and every person for. So God, we set aside our prejudices, our pride, our judgments, our preconceived ideas, and we lay them at your feet today. Help us to see others through your eyes. Help us to see men and women filled with the Spirit of God. And Lord, I imagine a church where everyone contributes, where everyone uses their God-given gifts and talents for the glory of the Lord that we could build your kingdom here in this place, starting in our hearts, being activated through our lives, and corporately your anointing comes so that we can influence the nations of the earth. We thank you that in your brokenness you made us whole. There was an exchange that took place and you reconciled us to yourself. That we've been redeemed from the pain of our past today. And we can lay those things down and make a clean break I see people walking out of shame right now all over this room, walking out of it, setting aside and uniting in purpose. 
Father, today, you do the work in our hearts, and we'll obey you day by day. Amen.